Welcome to the Shift Happens podcast, where we explore the latest trends and insights in the digital workplace. From the role of AI in the workplace to the future of remote work, we cover it all. Tune in as we chat with industry leaders and experts. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just getting started in the digital landscape, we've got you covered. Subscribe to Shift Happens wherever you listen to podcasts and stay ahead of the curve. Now as we're starting to leverage teams for public hearings, you know, that ability to transcribe those meetings, to record those meetings, um, especially ones that require um, the, the public notice and, and that documentation for historical purposes, you know, leveraging teams for those purposes. So now you don't have someone with a little, you know, a little small tape recorder that's probably, you know, capturing um, 50% of the information that's discussed. Now you're capturing that entire conversation and you also have the closed captioning for those who are hearing impaired. Hi everyone, welcome back. I'm your host, Ducks Raymond Sai, Model Workplace Professional, Microsoft Regional Director and MVP. I'm here today with Eric Brown. Deputy Director, CTO for the Florida Department of Agriculture and Consumer Services. He's a CISM, PMP, and CSM. Eric, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Boy, it's your story is such interesting and fascinating. So I always like to start learning how you got started and how you ended up where you are today. What got you interested in technology? Because I know you started your career in law enforcement, right? Yes. Um well, technology was, um, I guess, a love that I've had for a very long time. Um, when I was in high school, one of the ways I made money on the side was installing um, radio equipment and um, people's cars, audio speakers. And so from time to time, people would bring me a, a device to where that, let's say they tried to install it and they, they, they blew the motherboard or something or circuited it out. And I would take it and I would kind of map it and make it work. And then I kind of got into getting old computers in that people may have thrown away or or just didn't have a need for. And so from there, I would kind of tinker with them, get them back working, uh, clean them up. And so when I got into law enforcement, um, around um, maybe it was 2000, 99 or 2000, um, I actually blew my knee out um, at an accident on the job. And so as I was working um, there, I started helping out the IT guys uh, quite a bit. And from there, like, hey, I, I really like doing computers. And so I kind of shifted my my focus um, to IT and and I went and got my what, A plus and Network Plus certifications first. Um, and then from there, it, it kind of took off from there, um, you know. And so so it's just been a great love of mine for a long time. Boy, that's such a fascinating journey, Eric, because I can recall, like you, back in my days, I would have my friends' cars and help them with a subwoofer, uh, put in amplifiers, equalizers. I remember speakers like Rockford Fosgate. I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and these days, it's too hard now because cars are so complicated, and I don't want to mess with cars these days. Right. <laughs> I, I mean, technology is, is, is constantly uh, changing, right? And it, it requires us to constantly learn. And certainly there's a vast difference too if you're working in the private sector versus the public sector. So you've spent most of your time in public sector and, and frankly, it could be a bit more challenging. So so how do you think about the work you do, specific technology, and what are the metrics that are really important to you as you serve the public? Yeah, some of the metrics that are 
that are near and dear to me actually uh, service delivery and how we deliver services to Florida residents, our visitors and businesses, and in doing so in a, t- in a timely manner. Here at the Florida Department of Agriculture Consumer Services, we have a very broad mission um, that covers everything from the wholesomeness of food to um, consumer protection. Um, to we even have a law enforcement function here as well. And so making sure our systems are up um, and running efficiently so that we can continue to deliver those services services to safeguard the public, um, those are the, 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 the metrics that I, I hold near and dear to my heart. So related to these metrics, right, at some point you realize we should take advantage of what's out there, uh, technology that's available in the cloud, for example, to help you further your mission. So at what point did you realize Office 365 was going to be important for how the Florida Department of Agriculture and Consumer Services worked? If I can go back to um, my previous agency, uh, which is the Department of Highway Safety and Motor Vehicles, where we where I was first introduced to um finalizing the implementation of Office 365, even from there and transitioning here to, to I will call us FDAX for short, um, moving to Office 365 allowed us to do a couple of things to make us a little bit more agile, to make our services a little more accessible to our users. Um, we have folks who are out in the field um, doing inspections, um, enforcing the law, and, and, and providing consumer protection services. And so for them to be able to access their resources, such as email um, or data via SharePoint online, um, that was so critical to where that being on-prem did not really serve that purpose in some scenarios. So we want to make sure that people are able to work and work efficiently and and not have to, let's say, lug around a suitcase full of documents and paperwork. So Office 365 enabled us to, by moving into the cloud, enabled us to basically expand and stretch our internal services to uh, support our users to make them more efficient out in the, in the field. Got it. So, so when you started this journey, right, I would imagine change is, is a big part of this and change is hard for everybody, be it a private organization or a government agency. So, so what obstacles did you have to overcome to have your department or some of your colleagues to be one of the leading adopters of this technology? You know, I'll say this, and and, and if I may, I would like to use uh, like Microsoft Teams as an example. So I've been here at um, FDAX approximately uh, maybe 16, 17 months now um, as a CTO. So one of the things that I I recognize coming on board is that we weren't using Teams or OneDrive. And so from my previous experiences, um, enabling those services really made it modernized the way we work. And so that was one of the things that well, one of my first pushes, you know, it was that, hey, well, let's let's get teams online. You know, we can collaborate because um, most people think about chat. I said, but it's much more than chat. You know, the integration in the SharePoint online where I can go ahead and create a site and link that site to my team and be able to share documents from any device, from any place in the world where our our workforce um was unable to do some of those things to to really make them more efficient and proficient at doing their jobs. So one of the obstacles was really, you know, the old ideology of this is the way I've always done it. If it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? Right. If it's not broke, don't fix it. Or some people being hesitant because of, oh, this is a new application or a new technology that I now have to support. And with that support, it's going to come new issues and, and, and things being reported from the user community. And I tell you, um, as we enabled uh, Microsoft Teams, um, our local Microsoft um, team 
um, Stacy Mildenberger, uh, Cash Bottini. Um, they were awesome. Um, Stacy, they helped us with training. They came in and said, hey, you know, showed us the features and the functions that could be enabled um, for each project. Um, they, they, and I know I mentioned the training, but it's funny because I think I was about to drive her crazy because I said, Hey, I need to have some executives. They, they, they're interested in learning more about teams. Um, here in Florida last year, um, the state hemp program was authorized. And so to manage that project and the implementation of that project, we did it via teams. So to eliminate people sending email documents, you know, um, CCing everybody and everybody, you know, and it's like, Hey, you know, and we've had a couple of instances where there were documents or items that need to be updated. And when they saw that they had the ability to where that two people could work in a document at the same time, you know, it, it kind of, it blew some of their minds. And so we were able to manage that implementation via teams and also using one of the functions uh, features in there called planner to help act tasks. And to to have timely updates of where we were with certain items, that made that implementation um, pretty seamless. You know, outside of the 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 political items that that was associated with it and rulemaking and things of that nature. But as far as the ability to collaborate and work as a team, Microsoft Teams really. I mean, it was a it was that was a home run for us to get that get folks to adopt that. Now, by adopting by the industrial hemp team adopting Microsoft Teams, um, which in that in, in that team included a lot of, of agency leaders and managers, you know, it made adoption across the agency even easier. Um, as we started to continue to progress and roll out its usage and getting the word out, um, our training department, um, we have an awesome training team as well. Um, um, they were very engaged in learning, um, and they work with Stacy as well so that they can start to provide internal training um, with Microsoft Teams. And so by the time that we hit, let's say, COVID, and we went into that, okay, we need to start teleworking mode, you know, Teams became a very instrumental part um, of our telework program because now there were instances to where that we have divisions. so. My department has 16 divisions and offices. And so in some areas, they may have still had desktop um, support. I'm sorry, desktop workstations um, in the office, you know, and also, you know, access to file server data. Um, You know, maybe some folks can get their file shares because of limited VPN capacity. Well, we were we were able to say, well, hey, guess what? Your OneDrive is now your, let's say, user drive. Right, we're going to shift all your documents up from your local PC. We're going to enable OneDrive. Now you have all your documents available to you. Um, for others, that's your new my documents folder, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> you know, and and for those who had piles of documents on the desktop, you know, grabbed all those, uh, moved them up into OneDrive. Um, for those who are having issues accessing items such as, let's say, a group folder that was on a file share, you know, shifting that data to SharePoint Online enabled that team to now have that security control and access to their data in 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 real time. And so the Office 365 platform truly transformed and modernized the way we did work, um, especially as it relates to COVID-19 and the pandemic. 
and it bought us some time as well to increase our li- our, our licenses as far as remote users. Um, the, as we went out and purchased more uh, mobile workstations and laptops for those workers uh, to ensure that they were able to work remotely and not have to come into the office um, for their protection and the protection of others. So we're three, four months into pandemic, and sounds like everybody's appreciative now having this platform that they can work. What are some of the cool stories you've heard around how people are using technologies in Office 365, be Teams or Planner, uh, especially during this time of COVID? Are they using it for some of COVID-related activities for the public, or, or is it mostly internal? Hello, Shift Happens podcast listeners. I have an exciting offer for you. Join us for our in-person Shift Happens conference, October 10 to 11 in Washington, D.C. Registration is free. That's right, it's free. And you walk away with actionable strategies from industry leaders and peers to make Shift Happen in your digital workplace. Visit shifthappens.to to register today. We'll see you there. Yeah, a large portion of it is internal, um, but I'll, I'll say that having the ability to to track our activities um, as it relates to COVID, um, as a consumer protection agency, we do have teams who, our agency's agency, you report folks who are price gouging to and in, in things of that nature as uh, one of the many things that we do. Um, so some teams are not able to now leverage in Office 365 to say, hey, well, I can now upload my reports directly into SharePoint. I can now use OneDrive and um, I think the tool is, is Office Lens to now take photos of different documents or different scenarios and upload those and save them. And the biggest, one of the big benefits of that is that now it's within our environment and we can manage it and we can control it. Um, so now folks don't have to, you know, helping to kind of mitigate anyone attempting to use a personal device to capture that data because that's not what we want. And so it's been very helpful in, in that area as well. And speaking of controlling and governing, have you seen a surge in teams and how are you handling that? Like people creating teams left and right. Uh, if, if it's for a project, great, but what, what kind of guidance do you offer? Yeah, right now from a governance perspective, if someone wants a team, um, we create the team for them. Now in a, in a, in a perfect scenario, I would just open it up and just say, hey, because, you know, hey, it's Microsoft Teams, you know, you want people to go out and collaborate and build those teams. Um, but right now, from a governance perspective, we, we we take requests in and we build the teams for them um, and, and, and then give them training on how they can build channels and other things so that they understand how to manage the different communication within that team. Um, you know, it, it's been an awesome tool for us. And, and even the security of, you know, the team meetings. So there are a lot of folks who are actually using teams right now to, they're doing like, um, let's say, training as far as certain things. And so the pandemic has kind of brought to light that, hey, what if, for example, Jane Doe, she's the only one that knows this process. Well, now we can set up a quick team meeting. And so now let's, let's document this process. So Jane Doe, now you walk us through this process in all the communication points or decision points associated with this. And they're able to use Teams to record it. And so, and transcribe it. Um, 
another thing as well, too, from a, a public hearing perspective and something that we're moving to now is we're starting to leverage teams for public hearings, you know, that ability to transcribe those meetings, to record those meetings, um, especially ones that require um, the, the public notice and, and that documentation for historical purposes, you know, leveraging teams for those purposes. So now you don't have someone with a little, you know, a little small tape recorder that's probably, you know, capturing um, 50% of the information that's discussed. Now you're capturing that entire conversation. And you also have the closed captioning for those who are hearing impaired um, or have any other impairments that would prevent them from being able to participate um, in those meetings and sessions. So from a technology perspective, Office 365 to include teams has really modernized the way we do work. And really, you know, uh, from an adoption perspective, people are really enjoying using the tool and that technology to help them do do work much better. Boy, I'm seeing a lot of similar stories from different government agencies, not only in the United States, but around the world where they're doing public town halls or city council meetings using Teams live events or Teams meetings where, to your point, it's recorded, it's transcribed. And not only that, going back in time for things like uh, Freedom of Information Act requests, right? They want FOIA requests. They're able to easily uh, get to it with with the recording and the transcription. So that's really great. Now, now Florida is a bit, bit unique in that your state agencies are not all under a central Office 365 tenant. What are the pros and cons of that model? I'll say for pros, and for me, it's more control at the agency level um, that I can have to kind of customize and, and maybe deploy the services uh, from Office 365. Um, you know, from a, a disadvantage perspective, um, I think our from a state level, I think we've done a pretty good job of from an economies of scale perspective um, with pricing and, and availability of services. Um, I think I think we're pretty competitive um, from that perspective. But uh, sometimes when you have that different control, it kind of leads to different standards and the different way you do things. So kind of think about, you know, do I want to standardize the way we do things and, and centralize into one tenant or do we continue to maintain the this distributed model that we have now where each agency kind of controls and because the state doesn't dictate to each agency like what they can use as far as email and things of that nature. So so it does give each agency the flexibility to choose what they feel like is best for their their department. But I'm but I must admit um if I'm not mistaken, I think 99.9% of the agencies all use Office 365, if I'm not mistaken. And, and I assume the different agencies or at, even at the state level, you all collaborate with each other too, right? Yes. And, you know, and one of the things that um, we recently, like collaborating with another agency, especially for setting up teams, because um, initially there's some, some organizations who say, well, we're only going to communicate and use teams internally. We're not going to enable this external functionality to to communicate with people. Um, but it's been great for our agency from the different divisions that we have who, where we, you know, we're also an agricultural agency. And so like from the University of Florida, who's a big user of, of Officer 65 and Teams, and we have one of our divisions say, hey, well, I want to be able to collaborate via Teams with this agency. And that was a great use case to say, hey, well, you know what, let's enable this external for them. And that's turned out to be uh, that would turn out to be a great decision because now they're able to collaborate and and share um, um, really unrestricted. And, and that's two government entities 
basically working together for the greater good of the state of Florida. So from my perspective, that should be encouraged, um, especially within state government, to enable that external capability and to be able to share and collaborate in a better way than we do now. And, and Microsoft makes it seamless because if you think about it in the past, during the days of on-premises, to set up something like that, it, it's a lot, right? You have to set up outside of your firewall, you set up an extranet, you create a, a AD account for the external user. It's a lot, but you're right. With the flexibility and even the, um, the, the specificity on it, you can say only this group could do external sharing versus that group. It, it's it's very, very powerful. Yes. And, you know, and the other good thing that I like about um, Office 365 and and we're, we're also venturing off into the Power Platform and Dynamics 365 is that as a SaaS solution um, per se, now I don't have to worry about hardware. You know, I know there's some shared responsibility once you're in the cloud, but those things as far as, um, you know, hardware patching and all those things, that's something I don't have to worry about within like an exchange environment online or a SharePoint environment, I'm sorry, uh, exchange a SharePoint environment on premise. Now that's all, hey, Microsoft, that's on you, patch it, keep it up to date, and my life is good. That's one thing I, I don't have to worry about now, but I have to worry about my other security as far as data loss prevention and things of that nature. But that's just one less headache and one risk that's now been shifted to to that entity and, and I don't have to deal with it. So that's, that's also great from a staffing perspective as well and workload. Yeah, like you, I don't miss Patch Tuesdays. Right. <laughs> so, so Eric, what initiatives are you focused on now moving forward? How How is your modern workplace evolving? How are you seeing your organization adopting this, embracing this um, as we look forward to the future? As we're moving forward and changing the way we, we develop and design um, and architect applications, um, one of the things I'm looking at moving forward is what services are we already licensed for? that we can leverage. So when when I talk, let's say SharePoint Online with a lot of people, a lot of people tend to forget that SharePoint is actually an enterprise content management system. So why am I out here looking at like five other different items when I already have something I'm paying for that I can leverage? So let's say from the perspective of, I have, a, have some apps that are in the Power Platform right now, you know, we can let, we can allow SharePoint Online to manage the content and the data for those applications um, from images and things of that nature so that we don't have to spend that additional funding on a, a solution that provides the same service and, and maybe not as well. And so from a from an app dev perspective, just leveraging Power Apps, uh, whether let's say the Power Platform or the Dynamics 365 platform and making those work in conjunction with Office 365 and the services associated with that in our government um, cloud environment to provide modernized services and applications to our users. So the big thing for us moving forward is continuing to modernize the way we do work by migrating applications into the cloud, um, having a focus on, in some instances and where it's applicable, those SaaS services that we already have licensing for to make the management in, um, excuse me, the, to make the management support of those applications and services a little more streamlined and it reduces the workload and some of the risk off of off of our employees as well. So, so Eric, looking back in the 16, 17 months here with the uh, agency, for our listeners out there, what are some of the 
key tips and encouragement you may have as they're going through this journey of modernization with Office 365? When do you think the shift happened in your agency? You know, I would say the shift happened here a few years ago, um, actually even prior to me starting to the starting with the department, but the shift to enable and utilize more of the services um, was pretty recent. And some people, you know, if you're licensed for Office 365, it's more than just email. Um, it is your SharePoint online um, because I'm aware of some aid organizations that don't want to use SharePoint online um, and, and or some of the other services because it's it's just the way we've always done it, right? And they feel like they'll lose some form of control. And I would say to those um, folks in those organizations that, you know, don't be afraid to to expand, one, your knowledge and expand those capabilities. Um, it's included in what you're paying for. So we have a fiduciary responsibility to leverage those services for not just the state of Florida, but wherever you are and and utilize it to to really make your organization grow. Um, I can say that I'm highly confident based off the feedback I've received within our organization that our end users are very, very happy with the product that they have. Um, They're very happy with the features and the new functions and capabilities that they have to deliver services and to communicate and collaborate. So don't be afraid to try it out. Um, If you don't want to open it all the way up, you know, uh, take baby steps, but, but create a plan, make a plan. Microsoft has um, roadmaps and some engagement planning tools that you can use to start to implement those services. Um, if you feel like you need um, additional assistance, um, and once again, I'll go back to our local um, Microsoft team with um, uh, Stacy and Cass. Um, they've been great. They're always there for us. Um, if you have any questions or need training or 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 want to know how to solve a business problem, um, so please reach out to to your local Microsoft team um, for assistance um, because they will show you and they will help guide you um, on, on, let's say, give you advice on if you have a, a business case or a use case, they'll tell you what tools they they ha- you already have in your stack that can help support or enable um, the business case that you have. Awesome. Eric, thank you. Thank you for sharing your experience and knowledge with our listeners. And I'd like to thank you all for listening. And if you've enjoyed this conversation, We would appreciate if you subscribe, tell your friends and colleagues about it. Until the next time, we'll see you. Shift Happens Podcast is a production of AppPoint, Inc. Produced and edited by the AppPoint brand team. Stay up to date on the latest trends in digital workplace transformation by visiting appoint.com.